It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a Radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. Everybody live from uh, Vault 76. Uh, we are here for Go Birds number 181. Uh, the two gentlemen w- that uh, are with me tonight are not going to get that joke at all. Uh, Elliot Shore Parks, James Seltzer. Uh, neither one of them, I-, I believe, have picked up a video game uh, since uh, maybe maybe even 2000 at this point. I'm not sure about Elliot, but certainly in the 90s for James Seltzer. Uh, who, uh, are you, how is everything going, by the way, James, is everything, uh, going okay over there in the old bunker? <laughs> the old bunker. Yeah, <laughs> everything's good. You know, uh, sadly I don't get to bunker. I, I have to go to work, but, um, yeah, we're doing good. Zoe's good. Emily's good. We are, uh, we're getting through it as best we can. I, uh, Elliot, I'm, I'm washing my hands at a rapid rate. I'm not putting any moisturizer on. I don't even know if that affects anything or not, but, uh. Uh, washing my hands a lot. I hope you are too. Yeah, I am. I mean, I'm not going outside, so I am still washing my hands, but not as much. Wait, why, but, why are you, know you going outside? What's interesting is, so I spend probably about half the year working from home. Like when the Eagles aren't at the facility, I'm not at the facility. So I'm used to this, but it definitely feels different to work from home during a shutdown. Like I can't explain why, but it's just something about it. Like when I wake up, it just feels very different. So yeah. I know that's not, it, you know, there's obviously more important things going on, but it just feels different. Yeah. It feels like uh, somebody, I think I first tweeted out this morning. It, 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 it does feel as close as the, as to gr- Groundhog Day as possible. That's and for some reason I'm up earlier and we're uh, and Elliot even said to me today he's turning into an old man. Like he wants to, it's we're recording this at eight o'clock at night and he wants to go to bed. I'm I'm uh, and I'm there with yeah, him. I mean, My, five I, to eight I is say it. I'm in. I try to be in bed every night. I would say by ten o'clock, like not asleep, but in bed. I would say. <laughs> wow, what a nerd. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, just my bed's very comfortable. Uh, well, in the meantime, I hope uh, everyone is uh, is doing as best they can out there. Just know that we're all in the all in the same boat. But seriously, uh, do wash your hands. Drink a lot of alcohol. 
uh, and uh, and we'll kind of get through this together. Uh, and then when this all uh, slows down and stops, uh, the Eagles are man, I mean, they're going to have a completely different looking uh, defense, and especially with uh, a couple of more roster changes. Will Parks uh, ends up here on a one year deal. Jatavius Brown. So the uh, the Eagles get. I guess a linebacker of sorts, and we'll get into those guys there too. But uh, James, I mean, man, uh, Will Parks was on the morning show today, uh, and I started listening to some of uh, his old interviews when he was uh, you know, with the Broncos and seeing a lot of like his stuff that's all mic'd up uh, from training camp and practice and everything. Everybody's going to fall in love with that guy, even if he's just an okay player, which uh, by the looks of it, that's, that's my impression that I get of him, but... My first impression, James, everybody's going to love uh, Will Parks, at least just personality-wise. Yeah, look, he's a hashtag from here. People love that. <laughs> he's got some bravado. I think we like that. It's funny because it seems like likely the person he's going to be competing for a starting job with is Jalen Mills, and he has a little bit of the Jalen Mills attitude, it feels like. It feels like there's going to be a lot of swag in that defensive backfield. So, um, yeah, I look, I like Will Parks. It seems like he's a versatile guy. I like the idea of bringing in someone who could do multiple things. Um, you know, you like that he's from here. As Jack Fritz is is known to point out, <laughs> apparently he was a Cowboys fan Him when he was too, younger. Huh? So, okay, all right. So, not a big fan of that if we're just going to be completely <laughs> honest about it. He was? That's interesting. That's the word on the street. That's the Fritz word. And Fritz, you know, literally spends his entire life trying to find these things out. So, um, yeah, look, I, I like the attitude. I think that's always good for a player at that position. You want someone who's got some toughness, some attitude. He's not very old. He's a young guy. Um, so potentially still some upside there. Um, yeah, I think people will be happy with Will, not Elliot Shore Parks. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he your cousin. I forgot to ask. He has a little more swag than me, okay. unfortunately. Well. But, so I like the signing for a couple reasons. One, because he's young. Two, it's cheap. So it's just bring him in here and see what happens. Three, he seems like the type of guy that you want in the locker room just in terms of his his attitude, his confidence, his off-the-field stuff. So I think that's all good. Um, as a player, what's interesting is he does a lot of things. And I'm just going off what you read from coverage of his previous games and pro yeah. football uh, focus and all that. Doesn't seem like he does any of them particularly well. And I, I'm not saying that's my opinion. That's just what it's people say. I mean, when you look at last year was his first year in the slot. And which is good. He got experience doing it. I think he was in the slot for almost 200 something snaps. He had never really done it before in his career, but the quarterbacks had a rating of something like 130 when they targeted him. Um, so that's not great. It's good. He got the experience, but didn't certainly perform that well. And then it's just interesting that the Broncos let him go and for, to sign for such little money. So I like the idea behind the signing. I like him as a person and I actually think he's going to play quite a bit. And I think he could, play well here but just his time at denver i think is it's not super encouraging as to what he can be here yeah i'm uh i'm really curious how this ends up working out because he is also was being quoted as i i don't i don't uh you know come out here to back up people <laughs> as well so i don't know oh, what bad kinda, news, buddy <laughs> yeah yeah i was like ah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're gonna be able you're gonna be doing that but if he's not i guess that ends up being a I don't know if that would be a win or a loss, depending on how, who is rooting for and against Jalen Mills. And I'm, I, I would assume that they are not going to be done at safety here, uh, and in, I'm including the draft and things uh, like that here. So I, uh, you know, we'll get to the the linebacker stuff in a little bit here, but 
James, I'm really curious. Like what after now uh, we've seen in a lot of these guys, every single one of these guys, Darius Slay, uh, a very confident guy, a lot of bravado. Will Parks, very confident, a lot of bravado. Uh, Rodney McLeod has that. It's a little quieter, but it's definitely 100% there, especially when you talk to him all the time. Jalen Mills, we know, is the same way. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 have a, I have a lot of different thoughts on what I, what I think they're attempting to do here. Uh, but what what do you make of the defensive makeup now that Hargrave and all these other guys are coming in and it basically looks like Jim Schwartz is going to run uh, everything that the defense does here? Well, first, let me take a second, and I don't know if you guys did this on the pod that I wasn't on right after all this stuff happened, but shout out to Elliot Shore Parks for when I asked him for one nugget from the combine, yes. my man said Rodney McLeod's coming back and Malcolm Jenkins ain't. That's what he said is his nugget. Shout out to you, Elliot. I just want to give you the props you deserve because I was appreciate like, that. That was a hell of a call. Well, but I very much appreciate yeah, it. Well, that was a hell of a call. Yep. And I was very impressed. Um, as to the makeup of the defense, I love it. Like I'm, I'm all in on this defense. I really, and especially, and I'm sure we'll get to Yannick and and you know. Mr. Instagram, it's like, bro, chill. <laughs> uh, but I mean, if they bring in Yannick and Gakwe, and right, even right now, I love what they've done. I think Hargrave's going to be the type of guy who Eagles fans probably haven't seen play a lot, and are going to be like, wow, this guy's awesome. He's a disruptor. He's a difference maker. Love having him here. Same thing with Darius Slay. I think a lot of people already know that they're going to love Darius Slay, but I like the way it's put together. There's toughness. It feels like, again, there's a lot of swagger on the defense, and if they can bring in Yannick and Gakwe, if they can find a way to make this happen, which, you know, again, we'll get to all the 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 stuff going on with that but it well, seems you can like touch it, on, james you can touch on that too i mean we're here you look, might as I well mean, the guy keeps straight instagramming pictures of eagles i mean <laughs> like, he knows we want him like i don't know what is what his impetus is whether it's he's trying to push the eagles to do it or what who knows what the actual process behind it is but the point is clearly there's something going on there as elliot always says you know social media never lies there is something going on he knows that the eagles are involved in this one way or another so if they can add Yannick Ngakwe, all of a sudden, I mean, legitimately, we're talking about one of the better defenses in football, just from a so, talent perspective. So let me, let me push I, I like back the really makeup, quick. and I like the talent. Let me push back really quick on that. So I, I, if they if they add Yannick, yeah, that's a complete game changer, right? I agree. Yannick is an elite level player. He's an important position. He would change the defensive line. All those things. But my issue with the current makeup of the defense is I like going with young guys. I get all that. I think they're semi-versatile in the secondary when you look at Jalen could do multiple things. Uh, it seems like they feel like Will Parks can. Avante Maddox can do things. So I think that's their plan is to hopefully it seems like have f five or six defensive backs on the field and move things around. My only issue is when you look at the defense right now, Darius Slay, I think, is the best player on the defense when you take into account what a drop-off Fletcher Cox had last year. When I look at guys that I think I know what I'm going to get them from them next year, Darius Slay is the only guy that I feel really – I guess actually Brandon Graham. I would say I, I feel mean, very Fletcher, I, I think Fletcher Cox's drop-off had as much to do with the amount they asked him to do. I mean, we still saw flashes of the Fletcher we know, and also coming off an injury that led deep into camp – I actually think we're going to see a much better – I think Fletcher Cox is the best player on this defense still. I don't think I, there's any question I, about it. I think you could. I just don't – I don't know, I guess. Like when I know what I'm getting from guys, I know what I'm going to get from I mean, Darius But Slay. you did expect that. I mean you're the one who kept talking about Fletcher Cox has an injury. Don't expect yeah. him to – So if fully healthy, 
And if, if he, I'm, but if he's fully healthy going into this season, why wouldn't you expect him to be Fletcher Cox? And Elliot, let me just bump in here real quick too. Darius Slay's also coming off that same down year, if you ask, like from a Detroit perspective. He's it, it was in the same boat essentially that Fletcher Cox was last year. Just wanted to point that's that fair. out. No, that no, that's fair. That's a good point. I guess my overall overall with the defense, and this is what I said before, they made all these moves too. Like I think with a Jim Schwartz defense, you're always gonna get a top twelve ish unit, top twelve to fifteen. I agree with James. Uh, if they add Yannick, they could be super special. Uh, we'll see if that happens. But my concern right now is just, I don't know, the loss of Malcolm, I think, is still a big one. Like, I, I'm i probably the biggest Jalen Mills supporter amongst all the beat writers and people that cover the team. Like, I don't think anybody sticks up for that guy more than I do. And I'm worried about the transition to safety. Like, I think it's a lot to ask of him. Will Parks, in my opinion, although he's shown flashes, like I said, beginning of the pod, I don't know if I can count on him to come and replace Malcolm. So when you talk about losing a player like Malcolm, it's a big deal. I think that the floor is pretty high still just because of Jim Schwartz, but I'm not as gung-ho on this defense without Yannick as it's currently constructed. I'm not as gung-ho about the defense as it sounds like James is. Yeah, I uh, and this is this is like I, 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 all right, put on your tinfoil hats, everybody. Here's my theory on on, on what I think they're doing here. I think I think that uh, the the one and the beautiful, the one that we all like to criticize. I think Jim Schwartz has finally had his big idea, you know. And I don't know if it's anything that is really uh, that more much evolved off of what he's doing. But like I, I, I think he really. Is, I think the four one six is very close to being here, fellas. And I think he's going going to get these different types of guys to figure out how to use them in that specific system. And it's just so funny because the ABC was showing that 30 for 30 on the 85 Bears and they brought up the 46 defense. And I was like, ah, that's so funny because, like, that's kind of uh, what uh, most modern defense is now, except it's a completely different flip to the other way. The Bears were so concerned about we're going to make sure that we stop you in the run and all that, Uh, but it just needs to be flipped the other way now. Uh, And... I think when you have guys like Will Parks and you have guys like Jalen Mills and you're, you know, if, if Yannick ends up coming here, I do think that they everybody is going to eventually get what they want. I also think James gets what he wants. Elliot gets what he wants. And I think I kind of get what I want in the, in the, in the, in the long term here as well. But everything that we've heard has always been around these two things. Build a, a very strong defense around Carson Wentz. And what does Carson Wentz want, want mo, most in the world? What's been most successful? What's been successful? Jeff Stoutland and all the different running backs that have been through here. You're trying to build a very fierce defense, which relies more on your second round draft pick and Miles uh, with, uh, sorry, with Booby Miles there, right? So, like, I think they're heading towards what San Francisco's been doing honestly that's why you bring all those different coordinators in you're trying to make sure that there's going to be extra help with the wide receivers because it's an important class you need to evolve them there's JJ there's all this stuff like I'm starting to lean towards the theory more and more of it's not like they're uh, ignoring wide receiver here or getting towards any of that but I think that they're bringing in all these different coaches and they targeted certain ones for certain reasons doesn't mean that the deep ball is going to go anywhere but boys this is going to be a Let's make sure that uh, there's a a lot of time of possession. Let's make sure that, you know, uh, the defense is going to be able to stop you in multiple different ways. Now that there's a shutdown corner, supposedly, in Jim Schwartz's eyes that, 
hey, I- I'm going to build something immaculate so I can get my ass finally out of here. I want to build a defense that's so great and so wonderful that finally somebody's going to give me a head coaching job. And whether he fails or not, it, it kind of leaves it up to you know him and him alone to kind of go and do this thing. But the long and short of it is, uh, you know, for those who have been clamoring to run the football, I think they're going to do that a lot this year. And, and I don't think that it's – I think it's going to be designed around – Stopping them, running them with with 49er type concepts, molding that into what Doug Peterson is doing. And I don't know. That's a long winded theory here there, Elliot. But that's uh, that's where my head's at. Yeah, I have a lot to say. That was like a trip around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, I guess I'll I'll start with where you ended, which is the running the ball thing. Um, I don't think they're going to be a run first team. I just I never I don't ever think with Doug as the head coach, Howie running the football operations and Larry as the owner, that's what they're going to be. They believe in throwing the ball. That's why they paid Carson all that money. Um, I, I, I don't. I'm not as worried. Like I I, I know I'm going to talk a bit out of both sides of my mouth on this one, but although I do think speed is a big need for this team, and I do think they have to help Carson out. I also think that we saw at the end of the year when Carson's playing at a high level and when Doug is coaching at a high high level, this offense is going to work. So I still think they should go get receivers. I still think all those things. But I think there's a sense of panic amongst the fan base with like, what's going on with the receiver? What's going on at receiver? I think they're going to draft a guy pretty high in the first or second round, and that'll be their main move. And if the price on Robbie Anderson drops, maybe, or Brashad Perriman, maybe. But I think the Eagles kind of see what we all saw at the end of the year, which is this team is better when Carson is running the show. And Carson's not going to be running the show if they're a run-first possession type team. So uh, before I move on from that, I guess, James, what, what do you and think? just to I, clarify, I, I don't think they're go- it's like a run-first type of offense. I just think that they're just going to try and evolve their run concepts to a point where it's still theirs, but it's 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 borrowed a lot from 49ers and things going on. Anyway, sorry, go well, ahead, James. I think, the, I think the main change they're going to make, to your point about the 49ers, the main change they're going to make is they are clearly going to get Carson out of the pocket more this year. Like, that is going to yeah. be the main change on offense. So I, I, I think that's where they're going. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Elliot, I guess, more so. I understand what you're saying, John. I, I think um, I, I 100% agree with Elliot that I think they are going to – Draft wide receiver high. That's going to be their big move at receiver. They want to get someone who Carson can grow with. I think that is their plan. And maybe they sign. Look, like you said, I think Perriman more likely than Anderson, just based on a if someone is cheaper than expected type of thing. But I don't think they're going to throw a lot of money into that position. I just don't. I think that they've made mistakes there in the past. They're looking at a multiple year window here and. Again, as I said last time, like I think they're trying to make this team with the idea of, yeah, we'll compete in 2020. We won't be awful. We could still win the division, but we're really looking to be a true blue one-seed Super Bowl contender in 2021 and 2022. I think that's the plan, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing here, especially you know with everyone freaking out about them not signing a receiver. I think that's part of it. <laughs> you don't think if Ngakwe, if Ngakwe gets traded here, that switch doesn't get flipped to the other side? No, no, no. I think I don't, you don't think that com- means anything. No, it's just no, like, oh, no. we'll just. I think that Ngakwe's part. The reason you trade for Ngakwe, the reason you go after Ngakwe is because he's 24, about to be 25. He's someone who is a major part of that window. Again, it's a window. I think they understand that the NFL is a weird thing and different magical things can happen certain years. So, like, you want to put yourself in a position to be competitive every year. But if you ask Howie, if you put him under a, on a lie detector test and said, 
do you think you're going to win the Super Bowl in 2020? He'd say no. And so, I think in 2021, 2022, he's far more likely to say yes. To to the one thing, like so to Barchard's point though, I do think if they get in Gakwe by the time Week One rolls around, they will be talked about as a team that's going to be competing for the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. And I don't think that's by plan, and I don't think that's by their roster. I think that's just the reality of being the. I agree with you. I agree with right? you. And look again uh, to the point before, and I'm not as bullish as you know without Ngakwe I think I kind of crossed that up like I'm excited about where the defense is at I like the moves they made but Yannick Ngakwe adding Ngakwe takes them from good to great like right now they're I think they'd be a very good defense like a solid defense they get Ngakwe like all of a sudden you have the best defensive line in football potentially like one of the best defensive lines in football like you're one of the best defenses in the league if you get Ngakwe so naturally or at least talent wise you know, naturally, you're going to be in that discussion. So I, I've been, I've enjoyed following him on social media. He even liked one of my tweets. Clearly, he already knows where the best <laughs> well, coverage. And by the way, the the article you had breaking it all down, which is on ninety four wip dot com slash go birds, is is phenomenal too. If you want the entire, well, you know, Eagles yeah. Eagles story. I mean, you know, people tell me I don't know football. I certainly know social media. So I was, <laughs> it was, it was my X's and O's, Baldy's breakdown version. But he, I don't think they're getting a Gawkway. That's just if I had to guess. Okay. I don't think. I don't think it's going to happen um, for a couple reasons. One, what's the when's the last time Howie made a move where everybody saw it coming and then they did it? I mean, Darius Slay, maybe a little, but not really, I would say. Hargrave, certainly not really. I can't imagine. Slay think, is fair. I think a lot of people were calling for that, and that's a movie made. were calling for it, but they weren't, I, I guess, maybe. But I, ultimately, with, with Ngakwe, I, I think there's, there's certainly fire there. I think Ngakwe either wants to come to Philadelphia or he knows the Eagles are interested. And But I, maybe Ngakwe has been told something like, the Eagles like you, but you're franchised, so they're not going to do it. Or something like that. Who knows, right? I even think his tweet today saying, give the people what they want, was also related at Philly. I'm, I'm sure he's <laughs> in his house, bored. Like, we all deal with Eagles yeah. Twitter. We know that they are extremely vocal. Like, he is definitely seeing all of this reaction. He probably even read my article, honestly. So he's well aware of, of what's going on. But ultimately, even though Howie values that position, and I wouldn't rule it out, it's just... I think if it was going to happen, it would have happened already. Like if they were willing to give up enough for the Jaguars to do it, that would have you know, happened. You, uh, no, no, no. See, I see. I don't think the and I think you know we talked a little bit about it, but that John Clark tweet about it yeah. all being about money, I thought was fascinating. I don't think it has much as much to well, do with the I Jaguars. Didn't see the tweet, by the way, I Sorry. don't think it has. I don't think it has as much to do with. He said something about this is all about money or something like that. Yeah, quoting, quoting the in Gagway thing. I think this is far more about. Yannick Ngakwe and what he wants money-wise than it is about what the Jaguars are willing to take. Well, that's a problem, though, because the Eagles and keeping track of their cap space isn't especially easy, especially, you know, with the just it's tough to do. They don't open the books. But when when I when I keep track of it, it seems like they're down to around 19 or 20 million left. Um, and that's with Alshon still on the books. So we, we can talk about Alshon in a little bit. But they're, they're running out of money to sign Ngakwe. Like, it's possible... Yeah that they could make a one year, which how he likes to do where his first year is super low and all that stuff. But the Eagles don't have, if you're talking about making a monster move in terms of trading and signing in like that's a off season defining type move. And they've already handed out two really big contracts. So although I wouldn't completely rule it out, I, I just think like talking about how the defense would look with Ngakwe is 
almost saying like, well, maybe the Eagles will trade for Julio, right? Like, (laughs) it could happen, but I just, I think... I mean, it's a little different, though. I mean, this guy is literally tweeting out pictures of Eagles players or IGing out pictures of Eagles players. It's a little different. And and to your point before about it would have happened already, like, Howie could just be waiting this out. Like, Howie could say, all right, listen... Here's what we're giving the Jaguars. They're happy with it. Yannick, here's what we can offer you. If you want it, great. If not, cool. Like, he might be waiting. Like, I mean, you, you just, I, I don't, and again, I'm not saying, I think it's more like 50 50. Like, I, I think there's a real chance they get him. I think if he's getting traded, I think it's as likely the Eagles as anybody. But I don't, I don't think that, you know, I don't think it's a lock or anything like that. But I I'm think at like a, 25%. Yeah. So like, we're at very different spots. Yeah. But I think, regardless, that it's very, even if they were, even if it were more likely or whatever, like this taking time is not surprising to me. Yeah. I think it's an incredibly large cat and mouse game between uh, Clowney, uh, between uh, Ngakwe, between Seattle, between the Eagles. I think that there's a lot of that dropping in because. It, you know, it seems like, uh, well, maybe Jadavion Clowney is going to go back to Seattle and maybe that is going to be it. Like, he's got to decide whether he's going to be in Seattle or the Eagles. And maybe he's tweeting out all these things and Instagram storing all these these different Eagles players to maybe just tick up the price a little bit or try to, you know, I, I, I do think the Eagles are interested. I do think that uh, Ngakwe wants to be here as well and... I still, the, Elliot. I think there's a. Uh, I don't. I don't know, obviously, but I think there's a, a still a good chance that if they're discussing this, it, it's it's still going to happen, you know. Yeah. And, and it makes sense. A lot of sense to me. On. I mean, for a bunch of different reasons. You explained it again. Uh, you know, on the air today, and I think this is where we're we're the same same. And that's why I'm saying all this stuff. If they if they do get him here, then it's about. You know that Jeff Stoutland and and the rest can come up with a fantastic run game coordination with the new guys that they have there. That's going to still be more than likely their strength outside of, you know, j- you hope that JJ has wow. that jump in year two. You hope that the rookie that, the rookies that you draft that come in, you know, are, are, are contributable, that Greg Ward is there, that Deshaun can give you something. And just like you're saying, when we're obsessed with speed, yeah, but T. Higgins is there. T. Higgins catches footballs. Uh, you know, KJ and all that. If their strength, ahead. if their strength next year is running the ball, they're in trouble. Like, th- like they they have to be a run for, oh, sorry, a pass first team to win. They just simply have to. Like, and that's on Carson. Like, and I look getting if they if they don't get in Gawkway, they sit at twenty one, and let's say Hen- Henry Ruggs falls there, and he's Tyree Kill two point right? Like, yeah, obviously that helps Carson, but at the end of the day. Carson has to play better than he did last year and be the guy he was the last four weeks of the season unless the as opposed to the guy he was in the 16 total games. And then it doesn't really – it matters who's that receiver, but it's not as important. Like, if Carson is playing at a high level, they will be a pass-first team with – Role-playing receivers that'll look really good because Carson's playing. Yeah, well. and and just so we know, I'm I'm trying. I know I kept pointing to the 49ers, but I'm not saying that they're going to become a run-first team. What I do think they're going to become is a very we're going to scheme everything open for you team, you know, and that's kind of what they're aiming towards and, and going towards. But uh, Ellie, you did mention Alshon, uh, and that might be some of the problems that might be holding this thing up too, because. Everybody's waiting for the for for news that comes along here as we're getting closer and closer to the draft. But what is the deal with with Alshon? Have you heard anything uh, different now? So here's the interesting thing with Alshon. 
if they were going to release Alshon, like let's say they decided at their end of season meetings that we have to move on from him. He's a trouble. He's trouble in the building. Like that. Let's say they let's let's pretend that they feel the same way the public does. I think they would have done it already. And the reason I think that is because they know they're not going to be able to trade him right now when he's hurt. Right. Uh, cutting him outright would cost you $10 million. So they, I think if they were going to release him, they would have done it before they entered free agency. So they would have their cap situation handled. They had a chance after the CBA was passed and they could have extended it over two years. So they didn't do it then. They haven't released him. I think they would have released him prior to the start of free agency as a courtesy so that he could find a place sooner. And I'll also say that I went back today and I watched Howie Roseman's press conference at the end of the year. And he made it clear, Alshon took a pay cut in 2019 in return for guaranteeing 2020. And the way he said that, it just reads to me that I think there is a much better chance Alshon is on this roster next year than people want to think. That doesn't mean he's playing, but if you told me Alshon was taking part in training camp to some degree, it would not surprise me. Like I think the Eagles might be sitting here and saying, let's get him healthy. Let's see what at that point happens like maybe they get him healthy and then they can trade him at that point because the team needs a receiver but if they get all the way to training camp he's on the roster and he's healthy who knows what their own receiver position will look like i also think the stuff between him and carson is slightly overblown so i'm just trying to brace eagles fans for like the alistair thing is not going to be a quick solve in my opinion I, mm. I think we're looking at a bit of a longer situation here interesting uh and James, this this thought popped in my head as Elliot was talking there, and you know I heard uh, or at least saw that Chase Daniel was also doing uh, like a phone press conference uh, with the Detroit beat writers, and he had mentioned this like, hey, we're preparing that there's not going to be any you know off season programs, no OTA, uh, who knows what kind of training camp. I don't know if the NFL is deciding whether or not they're going to just start on time anyway. If football is is ready to be played uh, in September here, which I think would be a massive mistake, but also that's kind of an element in here too. If these rookies that you're going to draft in this massive wide receiver class can't get a head start, I mean, sure they might get their playbooks and stuff, and I'm guessing that's why they're continuing with the draft here. But outside of that, I mean, they need every ounce of help possible. And I certainly remember that uh, delay in, in, uh, 2011 and how it threw off everybody and why, like basically everybody's draft class looked like shit. So, um, I think Elliot's got, uh, uh, some pretty good points here. How would you feel about Alshon sticking around in those circumstances? I guess. Well, I mean, I, I've made it pretty clear. I'm not a huge fan of Alshon staying around, but yeah. I, again, like, I don't think, look again to what I said before, I don't think this is the year they're going all in to try and really build a, a top not Super Bowl contender type team. So if they don't want to spread the Alshon money over two years and they want to say, all right, we're just going to take this hit. We're going to keep this guy on the team. We're going to suck it up. Maybe he gives us something in, in November, December, whatever. Who knows when he's yeah. actually healthy and ready to play? I mean, sure, I, I get it. I, I do think I do think your point is interesting. I, I think they will have football in September. I'm not worried about that, but I I, I do – and I don't, I don't think it's a mistake. I mean, we'll see how the next – no one really knows how the next time is going to shake out. Obviously, yeah. it's a very fluid situation. But I do think that um, – I do think that the the season, as it were, in terms of talking OTAs to training camp to, like, the whole, like, thing that they do is absolutely going to be pushed back. I don't think there's any question about that. So I do think that, that – 
that that is an interesting angle on it and, and an angle on a rookie wide receiver, whatever type of rookies you bring in that I think that it could be a monumental year in terms of rookies, not being as much of contributors in their rookie seasons as we can often expect, especially at particular yeah. positions. I mean, wide receiver is a position where for the most part, generally, and obviously we, we saw a few last year really contributed, but for the most part, that's a position that takes a year or two to really settle in, to understand what you're doing, to understand scheme, to understand all that type of stuff. And I think that maybe this year that could certainly be, be you know, enhanced. So I do think that that's a factor. I think that it's an interesting angle. I don't know how much it applies to Alshon, but I think it's an interesting angle. I also think that if Alshon is with this team in training camp, then we probably all need to take a little bit of a step back from the Alshon's like a cancer in the locker room. He hates Carson, all that stuff. I'm not saying there's nothing there because there is, but this team always puts Carson first. They do everything with Carson in mind. And if there was real drama that they felt like was a real issue, he will not be back. So if he is back, then I think we all need to take a step back from that. Uh, yeah, um, a, a little bit at least at that point. And either that or it's just like, hey, guys, we're just going to have to figure this out for one year. <laughs> you know, and and that's what I thought was interesting, which is all correlated. And by the way, that's just another reason why I think they're they're at least going to lean towards, you know, that <laughs> something in the run game because of all these different points that are happening here. And, we, and, and whatever, if Alshon can contribute – no one's going to really complain about that. Uh, his health is something that has always been a concern since, you know, he got uh, he's been here honestly uh, from that. So I could I could certainly see him where it's just like, hey, go suck it up. And man, I, and I and I keep thinking of this too because you know James John Clark was also explaining with Angelo this morning on another reason, and I think he uh, said it in in the article that he posted as well here, but. You know, this whole thing with, with Malcolm and the reason why, uh, or at least the byproduct of, that's how they're trying to frame it. And uh, I, I don't know, like the, the Malcolm was a, has a loud voice in the locker room, he said on, uh, on Angela this morning, and then also just made it so, and they think that, you know, Carson Wentz is ready to step into a, a leadership role where, you know, people are coming to him and these young guys are coming to him and you're starting to hear th the, the same things on you know the, the the Russell Wilson type what was happening in Seattle. It's almost exactly kind of the same thing as it's rolling out. But I think it's pretty interesting, you know, that uh, that that's on at least somebody's mind that Malcolm has too too strong of a voice in the locker room, and that's some of the reasons why you also decided to move on him. What did, what did you make of that? I don't know if you heard that or not. I did. Um, I look. I don't think that it's the reason they got rid of Malcolm Jenkins. I don't think it's – I think the Eagles looked at their situation and, as we've seen, said, all right, we want to get younger. We want to build for a three-year window. We don't want guys who are going to be able to maybe give us a year and then fall off a cliff or whatever. And they said, all right, Malcolm Jenkins doesn't fit this team anymore. I, I think that's what happened. Um, the, I think the fact that he's a vocal person in the locker room, I do think they – I don't think one led to the other, but – 
I do think they want it to be Carson Wentz's locker room. I think Car- they want Carson Wentz to be the leader there. I think they want him to be the predominant voice, the number one voice, the voice that everyone looks to. And it's certainly possible with Malcolm Jenkins there that he would never be that guy. I mean, that's a a, a thing that I could see as a pra- practical type of thing that would make rational type of thing that makes sense. But I don't think that the Eagles said, oh, we got to get rid of Malcolm. He's too much of a leader here. I, I, I don't think that <laughs> in any way, shape or form happened. But I think that I think they got rid of Malcolm because they felt like they it was time to move on. And I think it was the right decision. I'm fine with it. Like, again, I know that's not a very popular take right now, but I think that look, Malcolm Jenkins is going to be 33 this year, 33. And he's played every snap each of the last, what, three years or whatever it is, including special team snaps. At a certain point, your body breaks down like it is facts. It happens to every person on the planet. It happens to every player in that league. Like, to the the Eagles historically, what always made them so consistently good year after year after year after year, and what has made Bill Belichick so good year after year after year after year is saying, all right, I think you're going to break down. Maybe it's not this year, but I think it could <laughs> be this year. I'm not taking the risk. I'm moving on. I think the Eagles did that with Malcolm Jenkins, and I'm fine that they did it. I don't look. I don't think it hurts that. It's a, a leadership voice when they want it to be Carson's team to, to move on from that, but I don't think it was anywhere near the top of the list of reasons to move on from Malcolm. Uh, so here's here's what I would say, and I disagree with you about Malcolm, but we've already talked about it on two different pods, so let's right. just talk about the leadership thing. Um, if I think when they moved on from Malcolm, it was a lot of different things that added up into it. Like I don't think it was only the leadership. I don't think it was only his age. I don't think it was only money, but I think there was enough of an argument for each of those to add up to him moving on. But what I would say about the leadership thing is it does take time for players to develop into being a leader. I'm not disputing that, but if they have to get rid of a guy to make Carson the leader. But I don't think they did. Again, I don't, I I think that my point is, uh, but real quick, just to clarify, I think the leadership thing with Jenkins was like the last thing on the list. It was like, they probably would have gotten rid of him anyway. And they're like, eh, why not? That helps. Okay. So I, I don't, Completely disagree, but I will say John Clark has been pretty like tied in, and I, I think he's done a good job of soft season reporting. So yeah. if he's saying that's what he's hearing, I, I think that's I think there's some truth to it. But but my point is more so that Cart like the reason players followed Malcolm was because he was a natural leader. Like I just don't know if Carson's a natural leader. And we can debate if that's a something you have to have in your quarterback or not, right? Like like I think Jalen Mills is forget like talking about who's more skilled because I think we would all agree Carson's more skilled, but like Jalen is a natural leader. Like he has it in him, right? Rodney McLeod has it in him. Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, those guys like have it in them. Jason Peters. I don't know if Carson has it in him. And my only worry would be if the Eagles have decided that Carson has to be a leader and getting, and they believe getting rid of Malcolm is going to make that happen. I would be worried about that just because I think if people wanted to listen to Carson, they would have listened to him last year. And one thing John Clark said that I thought was interesting was they thought all the young guys did look up to him and that, you know, at the end of the year when it was Greg Ward and Rob Davis and Deontay Burnett and yeah. all those guys, like they they looked up to Carson. There could be some truth to that, but that stuff's not going to matter as much if Deshaun's there, Alshon's there, and all that stuff. So I have some concerns about whether Carson is going to step up and be a natural leader. And I definitely have concerns about it if – if like John Clark's kind of implying, part of the reason they got rid of Malcolm was because of that. Well, and he made sure to say it was never a Malcolm versus Wentz thing, you know, like that wasn't that wasn't in the. So that's 
that's why I, I believe that. I don't think that there was anything going on there. And I have two different thoughts on it. And one is I, I think the Carson thing is a little bit of the, the disguise here, as we haven't touched on it yet, but um, reports have been saying that Razul Douglas is on the block here. And you're wondering why, like, well, why isn't Sidney Jones, I guess? And maybe that's because there's no value, and that's a fair point to make there too. Uh, but I distinctly remember uh, that there are, you know, I mean, it's Malcolm Jenkins and, the, and saying – you got to be out here. You got to have confidence, and that's not wrong. But maybe, maybe also that you know Malcolm and Sidney Jones weren't a great fit, and they still want to see if they can get something out of them too. In that well, the- as well, and they brought in a bunch of guys with confidence to kind of just have. Here's I don't know anything about you. Let's see if we can fix this. You know, so I don't know. That was that was another thing I thought of on on top of that as well. Well, the other the other thing I'll say is when when you talk to like just people around the league there's this perception about howie that he likes to have people around him he can control and i think you see that in a lot of his moves like i think doug peterson's a better head coach than howie is a gm but i think all of us would agree that doug seems like a guy that's pretty easily controlled right like he coaches he doesn't yeah. he doesn't probably push his weight around as much as he could uh i think carson although he has a perception that he you know, is vocal in the meetings and all that stuff. I think overall, he's still a personality that's fairly easy to control, right? Like he's not a Baker Mayfield or anything like that. Sure. And I, I think Malcolm is somebody that is not easily controlled, right? Malcolm says what he feels, which he should. He, you know, he's very vocal. Like he is, he, you know, he's a very vocal, like proud guy. So I, I think that's part of it when you talk about who do you want representing that locker room? Like who does Howie want to represent his locker room? I think Howie's more comfortable with Carson doing it than Malcolm. Interesting. And that's probably why uh, he left him out of the thank yous, right? <laughs> In the Players' Tribune yeah, article? Well, that, that's pretty obvious, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. I, it'll be um, – uh, it's it's going to be a ve- I mean, a very different offseason for a bunch of different reasons. But, man, this is uh, this is happening quick. Like, I just I, – that's why I keep coming back to you, James. Like, this thing is uh, – the defense almost looks spankingly brand new. Uh, Jim Schwartz is still trying to find that second defensive tackle that just can, you know, rip shit together with Fletcher Cox. And uh, I don't know. I, j- I do feel like there is, if it's not in Gakwe, that there's one still, oh, that's interesting move coming along. It doesn't feel like they're done here. Does it feel like they're done to you? Well, no, because I think, again, I, but I think it's, I don't think they're exclusive. I don't think that, if he doesn't get Ngakwe as a plan B that he's moving on to, I think Ngakwe is a unique situation yeah. where he sees the opportunity to get an, a difference maker for a price that he probably feels is fair. If obviously if they end up doing it and it's someone who is young and can contribute for a long period of time. So I don't think he's going to make a move just to make a move. No, I don't. I don't think he definitely has another move coming. I think the Yannick thing is a specific situation where, and again, I think they have a, uh, I think it's real. I think there's real, a real possibility that it happens, but um, I don't think it's a, uh, how he has something up his sleeve otherwise type of situation. Personally, I, I don't, so, you know, I, I don't think he's signing clowny or, or something like that. So I went, I'm, I'm working on an article for this. Cause one thing how he says a lot is, you know, that the roster improvement is ever revolving, right? Like there's free agency, there's the draft, there's post-draft, there's right into the season, all that stuff. So I went and I looked at the moves he's made after March 
each of the last, you know, seven, 16, 17, 18, 19. I excluded the draft just because the draft has to happen, right? So I, I think like it could happen. He could find a player in the draft that's really helped that really helps him. So with that, with that caveat being said, when you look at the moves that he's made after March, like when free agency is essentially over, he's had a very poor track record of bringing in guys that have ended up helping the team. Now, it could be like that for every team, but my point I'm making is generally, unless you're going to find a player that helps in the draft, your roster when it comes to the Eagles after the first you know two weeks of free agency is generally set. Like to to James' point, maybe Ngakwe happens, but I don't think they're going to get clowny. Like I don't think. I think this roster basically is what it is unless they trade for Ngakwe or they they find someone in the draft that can contribute right away. Like, I I think this is basically it over the next week. Just because the history, when you look at it, like, he always says, we're always addressing positions. But when you look, I mean, Doriel Green Beckham in 2016 was a complete bust. That's someone that he tried for, right? 2017, the moves worked out. He They won the Super Bowl. But 2018, like, Golden Tate, Corey Graham, DeAndre Carter, Kamar Aiken, Leroy Reynolds, Marcus Wheaton, Richard Rodgers, Paul Warlow. All those are moves where at the time we're like, okay, like, you know, maybe these are going to do something. None of them worked out. 2019, Hassan Ridgeway, Zach Brown, Blake Countess, Wisniewski, Sproles, Skandrick, Cyprian, uh, Rudy Ford, Duke Riley, Jannard Avery. Like all these moves, when he talks about continually improving the roster, they really don't. So well, Avery was of, meant for now. Just just to be fair, Avery well, was meant for saying, now, more or less. Yeah, not, right, but, it, it but, t- but do you feel like super confident in Avery being a no? Big I have no no. I have no idea, and I'm just saying all the other things are lumped into the trade deadline and things like that too. Marcus Wheaton, we knew wasn't a big impact. Like I'm just uh, yeah. Like if there's a if there's if they're gonna sign somebody with ten million dollars or some somewhere around there or higher. Then I think that's that that then you weigh those decisions. I actually think in his bigger decisions, he's done pretty well uh, so far. Yeah, you no, know, I, I look, I, I agree. And again, these are just moves that he's made after March, so I'm yeah. not including big free agent signings. But my point is, unless he finds somebody in the draft that can contribute, the roster you're looking at is essentially going to be the contributing players. Like, mm-hmm. if, if Darius Slay is the Pro Bowl corner, that's a massive move. The team's going to be great. If if uh, Hargrave count comes in and is awesome, that's awesome. Like, that'll really help. But my point is, it's starting to get to the point where, unless he does have an Ngakwe thing up his sleeve, history shows he's not that great at these low-level signings. Like, one yeah. out of four years, they've worked out. So, we'll see, but... I just thought it was interesting. Like, he always says it, so I went and I looked, and there's really not a great track record of it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, we will certainly uh, – I mean, you guys asked a lot of good questions with the, uh, with the mail take bag, uh, and uh, I, this might be uh, – we might have uh, – we'll have plenty of leftovers, certainly, as we'll, uh, we'll jump back in on Wednesday, too. Maybe there'll be Eagles news. Maybe there's not, but there is two – before we go, and thank you to uh, Jacko Tweets, who was basically asking what was uh, Alshon's read on everything, and I think we pretty much – uh, answered all that here, but uh, more importantly, James Seltzer, there is uh, somebody that is dying for your advice, specifically when it comes to books, and not just books, but fiction books from our good friend Crane J three eleven. I'd like some fiction book recommendations, specifically from James Seltzer. So, Ooh. what are some good fiction books uh, to go I've through a here? Take on this afterwards. Okay, go ahead, good. Go. Uh, you scared me at first because you paused after saying dying, and you said we have a question from someone who's dying. Oh, God. And paused, and I, I literally shook for a second. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I did the same thing to me. Right? My right. bad. My bad. I was I was pausing because I was trying to find the tweet for the proper handle. I apologize. Yeah. 
Oh, um, all right. So um, I mentioned one on the radio show we did last weekend that uh, is uh, one of the best fiction books I've read in the last few years. Uh, they made a movie out of it. Steven Spielberg made a movie out of it. It's very, very good. Uh, it's called Ready Player One. Uh, Justin, oh, that movie was so bad. It yeah, was. So the, the, I thought the movie was okay. It was okay. okay. Uh, it was the book the book is a thousand times better the book is just just phenomenal i actually thought the movie was okay like i didn't hate it like you did um <laughs> i thought it was okay but the book is just phenomenal it, it is such a good book i generally certainly lately have, have leaned towards a lot of like mystery thriller type of fiction books that's generally the direction i've gone so if you're looking and i don't know what you like let's hope you like mystery detective novel type stuff i'll give you three authors and i would just start at the beginning of their their you know um their what's the word i'm looking for bibliographies yes okay uh, and just move forward. Um, Harlan Coben is probably my favorite. He's Ooh. actually got a few shows on Netflix now, like yeah. based on books that he wrote. He's a pretty popular, like mystery thriller type of writer. Um, Robert Craze, C R A I S, is another one. Um, these are all, I've read every single book both of these guys have written. Um, and then the third one is Michael Connolly, who. Um, the uh, he had a the Bosch the TV show Bosch on Amazon Prime that is based on his character Harry Bosch the books are are really good there he had a movie with Matthew McConaughey made about one of his books Lincoln Lawyer um, those would be the three movie too. authors I would recommend in terms of that genre of stuff if you're looking for more of like um uh like a dystopian future type stuff if you like that type of stuff but it's a little more like geared towards slightly younger people but like not that much younger marie lu has some really good books lu um the uh legend series she wrote four books in the legend series it is really really good really entertaining really fun it's a fun read it's kind of like a frivolous fun read um those are the ones that just pop in to my head off the bat. And that's assuming you've read like Harry Potter. If you haven't read Harry Potter, just read Harry Potter. <laughs> like Harry Potter is the best story of yeah. our of our lifetime. So that is what I would say tops. First and foremost, read Harry Potter. And honestly, the Game of Thrones books are fantastic if you didn't watch the shows, which everyone watches shows, so whatever. But um that's the the general just a quick fiction recommendations I would make. Yeah. I uh, I uh I and by the way, uh, Will, uh, that's why I mentioned on the radio show too, uh, Will Wheaton's audiobook version is phenomenal. So if you're not a huge reader and the, the movie will disappoint you, I highly recommend the, uh, the audiobook version of that. What was your take on, uh, on fiction alone there, Elliot? So I've read Harry Potters and I very much enjoyed them. Like, I oh, to, how about it? I, I used to go like get them at midnight when they were first coming out. I so I was, <laughs> yeah. that, that being said, I think at now at my age, like I think, not like fiction books are so dumb. Like every time I try to read one, <laughs> strong every, disagree. Every time I try to read one, I'm like, like what is this? Like this is just all made up. It's not real. So that's just. That's <laughs> that's oh point. my god! I, see, yeah. that's absurd, dig. When I read, I just look. I get enough real life in my real life. I get enough sports in where I get all this stuff. When I read, like everything on the internet that I read is is nonfiction. Like when I'm reading a book, it's almost like I'm watching a movie or I'm watching a TV show. Like I want to be taken away from reality and read something that is not reality. So that's why I love fiction. I, yeah, I just think they're boring. I, I anyway, that, that's my fiction. So I, I and I was, uh, I was listening to the show actually uh, today here, uh, James. About uh, DeCamera, and he had to take 
Unlike he just can't read fiction, he just sticks to nonfiction most of the time, right? Uh, yeah. uh, Elliot and Joe. And I wonder if he has the same problem that I do. So lump us all into the same pool, because I'm usually a nonfiction guy as well, because for some dumb reason, when I read fiction, I just I make cartoon voices in my head for when dialogue comes in or the setting, and it just sounds so ridiculous to me. And I remember my yeah. friends handing me like- That's really weird. Movies. Yeah, I was going to say, you have such a great voice, and now in your head you hear cartoon voices. <laughs> yes, that's all. Like, I can't, it just, it's very campy when I read it. So like my friends that were script writers, can you read this and tell me if you like it? I'd be like, I'm not going to like it no matter what. I guarantee that is you. That's really a straight, I don't think anyone else has that. That's a you problem. It's a very know. much a me problem. It's not. That that's is why, a weird one. That's why if you like fiction, God bless you. And again, you. to the point of the fiction thing, I mean, if Elliot and Joe DeCamera are both on on the same side it's probably good to be on the other side <laughs> uh elliot this question before we leave this from eagles brawl uh a thought on everyone's mind honestly but uh your thoughts on uh, the one they call joe exotic oh man so i'm i think i'm five episodes in and I don't, this? Think- I don't even know what this oh is. This is, this is this is this is tiger king ah yes. yeah this is what everyone was tweeting about like so oftentimes when you see a lot of people tweeting about things my initial takeaway is it's probably not going to be as good as everybody says it is. Like everyone's just being <laughs> hype on it. The the Tiger King is one of the first things I've watched in a while where legitimately every turn I'm blown away. Like yep. I can't believe it's a real story. It's just absolutely wild. I don't know how it ends yet. So I don't know if it's still an option to go to his tiger park. It's $350 to get in. I would consider paying it if it's still an option. <laughs> like, it is wild. I I mean, I'm excited to finish it as soon as we record this, finish this pod. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go and watch the next few episodes, but it is unreal, and I just could not recommend it more. Again, it's not fiction, so it's like, you know, well, it's interesting. I, it sounds I, like it's absurdity is what it sounds it is. like. It's, it's, it's real absurd, life absurdity, though. But it's, re- yes, exactly. It is, uh, uh, yeah, it is that good, Al. I agree uh, 100%. So also, I have another I have another TV thing to say. Okay. Uh, it, here's so, what I would request of you, James, real quick, though. Can wow. you get on this somehow, and we will talk about it at some point as, as an after show, and we'll break it all down and get our thoughts on this. I'd really love to do this. <sighs> I think you would find it fascinating. I really do, because I know you're not into a lot of these things that get hyped up to you, too. All right, well, we'll come back to that. You're t- uh, 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 I'll give it strong consideration. Can we can come up with something that either recommended by everyone listening or we come up with something we all watch, we have a little talk about it. Can we yeah, agree to that? That's a really fun idea, to okay. be honest. Okay. Uh, uh, so you're TV take, Elliot. This weekend, I watched 18 episodes of Siesta Key. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I take watched, a break. What is wrong with you? The entire first season. From oh, Friday. Oh, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. So you watched episodes <laughs> you've already seen? No, I hadn't seen it. I picked it up in like uh, season three. Or okay, something. that's better at least. Right. Slightly better. Slightly. I mean, still outrageous. 18 episodes? 18 episodes. Eight hours of Siesta Key. Yeah. Both Friday and Saturday, what almost all day Saturday. You? What is wrong with you? I'm locked in. What do you want me to do? Like, <laughs> for you. Just for my you. My goodness. Yeah. Well, I just felt I needed to get off my chest. Keep in mind, each of these episodes are like 48 minutes. So <laughs> that is just horrendous. 18. Uh, 18 episodes in. But, no, what's wrong with you? Watch a movie you haven't seriously. seen Seriously. 
watch well, I did. Well, I did watch When Harry Met Sally. Thank God. What All did right. you think? So I feel like Sally just settled for Harry. Oh, right? oh my God. I mean, she's known him literally almost her whole, like, not her whole life, but, you know, like, almost all of her adult life. They, they, hook up, they hook up fairly early on, if I remember correctly, and then they don't end up being together, right? And their whole thing at the end is basically like, I guess, there's no sexual chemistry. Oh, God, no, no, they're best friends, Elliot. Like, oh my God. would yeah, you that, end that's up what I'm your saying. best friend? That's the dream. Yeah, but, like, so I just think, like, okay, so my girlfriend is my best friend. But I also didn't not hook up with her for seven years of our knowing. Like, yeah, like I don't know. I just they, I, they don't want to hook up early on. They hook up late on. Like they, they hook, hook up, up later on. Right. I I just I don't know. <laughs> I just I didn't get the vibe that seven Sally years of sexual right. tension there. Yeah, like man. waiting. Yeah. I don't think it was sexual. Like I think if it wasn't Billy Crystal, I might feel differently. But I just don't. <laughs> I can't. I can't buy the fact that Sally was like madly in love with Harry. I just didn't get that vibe. So thought, superficial. It's terrible. Oh it's my terrible. god! Of course. Uh, so oh, I'll say this too, though. Meg Ryan back in the day. Yeah. She, yeah. She. Awesome. She was very, very attractive. Of Way course. more attractive than Billy Crystal. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, well, which brings me to something that. Um, made, it was a good movie, though. It was a good it, movie. <laughs> uh, something that um, I promised that I I said I would uh, take care of, and I forget who was tweeting it, but no better time. This might fail. This might be awful. Uh, but um, I would like to introduce when you hear stuff like L.A. Shore Parks review things like Harry Met Sally and you just go, I got to get I got to get it off my chest. I don't know. How, I don't know what else to do, but I have to. I, I and, and, and I know tweeting just doesn't quite really do it. So I, I think once a week during the pod, along with, you know, all the reviews and stuff, I, I'm going to try this. This is something I used to do, and shout out to the very oldest podcast that I was, was contributing to way back in the day, Sarcastic Gamer. They had this thing called Martini Time at the end, uh, and I'm just going to play all of all of the comments that we get, the best ones, uh, every single week, and just throw them at the end of the show so it doesn't disrupt the flow of anything that we're talking about, but... Just to just to see what you guys are thinking about, and it can be anything. It doesn't have to be egos related. Just anything you're thinking about at all, lay it on down. Two six seven two four five sixty sixty six. Two six seven two four five sixty sixty six. If uh, if there's a thought that crosses your mind while you're listening, if there's a thought that you're <laughs> you're laying in bed or just like you know what, it's on my mind. I just I just have to get it out there. That's what that is for. Two six seven two four five. Sixty, sixty-six. Because I think I would, if man, uh, he, he settled, settled for Harry is a, is a take, James. It's uh, I would want to yell and scream into a into a phone if I heard that. So uh, I it don't was know. just apparent. It was apparent. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, and uh, and uh, I uh, it should be fine. Again, two six seven two four five sixty sixty-six. The only thing I'll leave you with, gentlemen, is I. Um, Wow, Josh Harris is a total piece of shit, and we all knew it from the beginning. <laughs> I uh, can't believe it. I can't believe that they decided that they're not going to pay their workers after they said that they were going to. So amazing. And then people get sick, and God, I'm glad I don't cover the Sixers. That's all I have to say. So uh, for uh, Elliot, for James, uh, I uh, thank you guys. As always, we'll get to the uh, the big mailbag uh, on the next episode, and Hey, hopefully we delay that too because that means that some very, very large news has happened 
uh, and we need to talk about it. So uh, we will uh, catch up with you guys very soon. Thanks for listening to episode number 181 right here, radio.com, Sports Radio 94 WIP, as they used to say in the old country, James. Go, Birds!